welcome to the Classroom in Your Living Room podcast. I am acting as your host. My name is Trisha Murphy, and I serve as the Development Director within the College of Education at MTSU. Now, this is a, a fun opportunity for us to connect with so many of our alumni and friends, and we know that so many of us are finding ourselves at home with children, juggling responsibilities, and yet still wanting to ensure that our students and our, our children are moving forward. Well, hello there, and we are so excited to really kick off a new series here on the podcast in which we're really focusing on reading and written expression. And I am very looking forward to having two important folks here with us today from the Tennessee Center for the Study and Treatment of Dyslexia, which is a part of the College of Education here at MTSU. And I have two guests with me today. Uh, first, Dr. Tim Odegaard, who holds the Katherine Davis Murphy Chair of Excellence in Dyslexic Studies at MTSU, along with Dr. Melinda Hirschman, who is the Assistant Director for Educational Services and School Outreach at the Center for Dyslexia. Thank you both for being here. So happy to be here with you. Thank you so much for having us, Tricia. Absolutely. Well, I know that today's um, focus really is for any child, although you both are specialists, of course, in dyslexic studies, but we want to be child responsive. And I know many of our parents are now at home with their children and realizing, gosh, maybe they're not progressing in reading as well as the parent might think that they, that they ought to be. So we are excited today to talk a little bit about structured shared reading time with children. Um, and Dr. Artegard, I know that you want to tell us a little bit more about what that means. Well, shared reading is a time that you come together with your child to engage in reading where both of you are reading from a book or an article or for something that you've picked. I know that with my own son, we've often done this in the evening times when I put him to bed every night. I'm, I'm the designated parent to do that with him every day. And it kind of comes about organically. But now that we find ourselves being educators slash teachers slash everything in life while we're trying to make it through these next however long, um, it's important to think about maybe putting some structure around that and how we might maximize that to continue to learn about the needs of our children, who are really kind of our students too now, and also to think about what their interests are and what kind of background knowledge and skill development we want to en enable them to have access to. Absolutely. And so what are some of those those key elements that you think would provide that structure? Well, I want to start off and then I want to kick it over to, to Dr. Hirschman here. But I want to talk about that structure. We often don't think about the importance of providing structure. And I think that now that all of us as adults are having this unstructured time for many of us at home for various reasons, we kind of miss that. When we remind ourselves that our children miss that structure that they felt in the school day, that they had a set time and place to do things, and that learning was happening in that school time. We can take a lesson from that and structure the time that we spend with our kids on a daily schedule. And one of those pieces of time should be set aside in uninterrupted time for you to come together with your child and share in reading with your child. This is time for that reading. It's not time for chores. It's not time for fun and games. It's not time to play that new fun app that you're playing with your kid or to run around the building. It's time to come together. You can make other times in the day to give that attention to your child that they crave for those other things and to take care of those things that you have to do with your child. 
like yesterday when my son Jude and I were going through the house and cleaning up the bathrooms and taking out the trash and doing so many things around the house. But our reading time was sacred. And that time is for us to come together to read and learn with one another. Yes. That's exactly right. And Dr. Crambule and I talked about this, that right now is not necessarily the time that it's easy to go to Barnes and Noble and find those readers or find whatever it might be, the chapter books that are appropriate for our children's age or reading level. So how do we find, and and Dr. Hirschman, I'm curious to know your, your thoughts on this too. How do we, how do we select text? This is a perfect opportunity to really follow your child's individual interests here having choice in the kind of reading material that they will engage with is really important to motivating any reader and especially struggling readers. So it's a really perfect opportunity to let your child lead with their interest. Any kind of series or articles on a similar topic will be really beneficial to developing um, that knowledge and vocabulary, um, similar characters and events that can really support motivation and confidence and fluency with reading. So letting your, your child drive that um, is a really good starting place for text selection. You want to be able to use it really three ways. If your child has an interest in a topic, you can explore that with them by reading um, grade level or above grade level text to your child. Uh, you will be modeling that fluent reading. You'll be helping them develop that oral language vocabulary from listening to new concepts and new words by reading to your child. Then as your child can take over some of that reading or you're able to find texts that fit their current skills levels, you want to share that reading with your child. You may um, have them read a sentence and you read a sentence or a paragraph, you read a paragraph or page by page, whatever it is that makes sense for the shared reading time you're doing with your child there. You definitely want to set them up for success. This is a time to give your child um, words if they're missing words, purposefully plan for them to read the pieces of the text that they can be successful with. Mm -hmm. Can we do that wrong? You know, James, of course, is almost four. And so he has the readers. We have a chapter book. His name is James. So we're reading James and the Giant Peach just because he thinks that's really funny, you know, that this boy has his name. Do we hurt children in any way with the type of text selection that we have? I don't imagine that you can hurt them with a a real purposeful, relevant, um, you know, parent-picked text selection there. It's a matter of how do you scaffold or support their efforts to become independent readers. So your four-year-old engaging with a text that you're reading aloud is a perfect way to bond during the shared reading time. Um, That engagement with their name as part of the title is great. You've picked a a wonderful author, you know, Roald Dahl, who has lots of books um, that have the same similar flavor or feel. So there's not a a wrong topic if it's one that your child is interested in and that you approve of for that shared reading time. Building the the child's confidence in their ability to use text independently is where it can get a little bit trickier. Yes, absolutely. So I think what we're kind of walking into is just the importance of shared reading. As Dr. Odegaard said, having that time set aside every day where you're really sharing that experience with your child. So I will just open it up for both of you. What what do we do in that instance where we're sitting down with that child? Um, what are some tips about how to go about shared reading? 
you can provide great modeling for your child by doing that kind of read aloud. And it really um, is not dependent on a particular age. I sat side by side with my son. That was part of our reading strategy throughout middle school. We went from me reading to him, to him reading to me, to the two of us reading side by side. So you can share reading time um, when your students, your, when your children become independent readers in that way as well. But you really want to read aloud intentionally and then do some think alouds intentionally during that shared read, reading time. You want to help your child learn to engage with that text. You can ask yourself questions. I wonder what will happen next. Why did the character do that? Or um, how does this connect to something else that I've already learned about? It would be great to also intentionally visualize the story or the information. Um, I can just see that in my head. Did you picture this? It's important to stop and do some word reading strategies out loud as well. You might come to a longer word and say it in its syllables. Unstable, unstable, that's that word. Oh, and un means not, that means unsteady. Let's reread that sentence now, it, you know, now I can make some sense there. Having your child reread some of the same information you already read sets them up for that success and helps them build that accuracy with the words and improve their reading rate, their fluency as well. All of that helps them to, to apply more meaning to what they're reading. Absolutely. That's, that's great advice. And, you know, Dr. Odegaard, I'm just wondering, for the parent who has never engaged in this in terms of blending letter sounds and really um, supporting that accurate word reading, what would you say to, to help support them where this just feels like uncharted territory? Well, when it comes to trying to support these struggling readers who most struggling readers struggle with reading words, it really is important to remember that it is the word on the page that holds the information that your child is struggling with. They're struggling with get, connecting those letters to sounds and sounding it out. So when it's a really difficult word and often maybe a proper name, or a city or a name of a place, you can just give them that word and just have them reread it. And when you come to that again and again in the text, they'll reread it. Normally those don't follow any kind of rhyme or reason to how they're sounded out and spelled out anyway. Now, when it comes to words that you may have a, an understanding of, it's like, oh, well, you know, CH goes shh, you know, so you kind of help them to understand and find the letters or letter patterns that they're, they're struggling with and help them to understand the sounds that go with that. Kids will often struggle with vowels, A-E-I-O-U-N-Y, or sometimes vowels, you know? So you want to make sure that they understand what those vowels say and how they can make multiple sounds. But in the context of that word, what sound is it making? There's a strategy that, that parents might want to use that we call vowel alert to where when they come to a word, they're struggling with it. And you know, they're struggling with that vowel sound. You can kind of isolate that letter and say, hey, what letter do you see right there? Well, that's A. What sounds can A make? And normally the child's going to know the short and the long sound of that. Well, let's try both of those in that word and let's see which one sounds right. Oh, so that was bait. bait? Does bait seem like it goes in that sentence? Bat. Oh, the child hit with the bat. Bat fits in that sentence. So there's, there's strategies that you can use, but what we want to focus the child on are the actual words themselves. What we don't want to focus them on for word reading 
accuracy are the pictures on the page. Those don't tell us what sounds those letters make. We don't want them to have context, except for in the situation where I just used, where the use of those two sounds that can go with A, that the child may know, could actually make a real word. So now that I've got two real words to choose from, I do want to use context. Not normally what I want to do is try to guess from context what the word might be. You see, I went to making a word using vowel sounds based on how letters sound out in words, and then I used the context when I made two real words to see which would fit in the sentence. That's a whole different use of the words because when we're trying to correct errors with reading accuracy, we want to focus the children back on the actual letters and the words themselves. So starting out with the vowel, typically in the word, and then kind of working around that. Is that, is that correct? Well, starting where were the errors being made? The errors could be made with consonants, but they're often made with vowels. So it's really starting with where you hear the child struggling. If your child's uh, struggling with longer words, you can help them by pulling apart those chunks in the word. Um, I did an example earlier, unstable. And you can use the cues that you hear in the word. You don't have to look in a dictionary to see how it's divided, you know, by the, the actual letters on the page. You can use how that sounds to help divide that word out and listen to where your child's making that error. If they said unstable, then you know that you've got to focus on, on that vowel sound there. If they said unstably, then we know we've got to focus on that, that ending. We don't have to know why that VLE says all, but we know from speech even that it does. So we can point to that part and say, this part says all, the whole word is unstable and focus in on that error, have the student repeat it. Uh, trust your instinct there, hone in on the piece where they're misreading and help them string that back together. Um, as you hinted to earlier, there's no harm in reading with your child. It can be difficult to make sure you're giving the right cues that support word reading. We don't want to use those guessing games based on pictures or develop guessing games to help them read a word like it rhymes with this or it means that. Um, we don't want to start with the beginning sound and say it begins with wah and then leave it at that. We want to make sure we help them read through all of the letter sounds in the words um, to our best possible extent. That's so helpful. It really is. Thank you so much for walking through that. I think oftentimes parents feel like they're doing something wrong. And we've said this before on earlier podcast episodes that we are mostly here just reassuring parents at home who are facing a lot of different stressors that they really are doing things right. And so I think Dolly Parton in the Imagination Library has done a really special job of on the front and the back um, of each of those those books that we get in the mail, it has those leading questions before you even open, you know, the text. It says, here's what you can discuss with your child. And then at the very back in that fold, it, it talks about here are some discussion or thought questions that you can have after reading. Why, why is that important to emphasize uh, meaning in that way? That's the end goal of reading all of these other skills we're building, the word reading skills and reading at a rate that sounds like speech, all of that is building up toward opening the child's ability to comprehend or make meaning from what they're reading. So that always should be the emphasis of the time together. And that's really where um, you and your child will learn from the text and extend knowledge about themselves and the world. Um, help to develop that intellectual empathy of, of walking in another's shoes or develop that core knowledge about specific topic areas. So we always want to emphasize meaning. Um, 
And that's a, a great way to bond again over this shared reading time. You can do some leading questions before reading, like you mentioned, connect it to what your child already knows about this particular topic and interest. You might pick some keywords if you're aware of, of, of some new vocabulary or um, a character's name, like Tim mentioned, to make sure the child is able to go ahead and read that. You might make a prediction based on what you already know about what this might be about. Keep that questioning, that thinking turned on during reading as well. For some kids, they may need to pause after every sentence to make meaning and retell. Others can pause at the paragraph level or the page level. So being able to respond to your child's response to reading um, is helpful there and ask those questions. You can always ask them to do a retell. And then after reading is a great time to, to pull that together. Again, to visualize, to retell. You might help your child do that by giving them a few keywords to use or a strategy. Um, if we're reading a story, somebody wanted but so is a great strategy. Who was the main character? What did they want to happen? Um, what happened to keep them from reaching their goal? And so what did they do to resolve that problem? So um, giving them a few keywords to summarize is, is helpful as well. Absolutely. Well, you all have helped us really understand how the structured time to read together and learn together really sets us up to have not only a really enjoyable routine in our in our home during this time, but also really puts in a practice here that's helpful for everyone. Now, Dr. Odegaard, I know that we have a special guest with us today who's going to help us really model some of this structured shared reading time. So we're just excited to have Jude with us. Hey, Jude, can you say hi to everybody? Hi. All right. So Jude, you know, you want to tell them, you know, who you are and what grade you're in? I'm in fourth grade. And how old are you? 10. 10. And you and I decided to work with Dr. H to pick out just a really short passage because we don't have a lot of time. So if I were doing this for real with Jude, it would be a longer passage and maybe an extended text and we would spend multiple days going over it. But Jude, you said you wanted to learn more about what topic for today? Greek mythology. Oh, now is there a reason why you like Greek mythology? Is there a special place that you like to go with the family up in Nashville? I don't know. Oh, the Parthenon. The Parthenon, yeah. And what's the big statue in the Parthenon? Um, Athena. Athena. And look what Dr. H has picked out and we picked out for you. So let's read the title. I'm going to read it first, then I want you to read it after me. Athena, daughter of Zeus. So can you read the title? Athena, daughter of Zeus. Now below the title, it has some information there. It says Roman name is, you want to try to read that name? Maneuver. <laughs> oh, hey. So let's see. What would that Mine. be? Mine. Min. 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 E-R min. says. Minerva. 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 That's right. So her Greek name to the Greeks was Athena, and to the Romans who came after the Greeks, her name was Minerva. So I'm gonna read this first sentence up here, okay? So we're gonna read about Minerva. Well, that's her Roman name. We're gonna read about the Greek goddess, Athena. Athena was a powerful and popular goddess in ancient Greece. Do you wanna read the next sentence? Athena did not ha have a mother. She was, oh. Oh, that's right. <laughs> You ran right past that period, didn't you? So why don't you read that again, and why don't you read that next sentence for me, too? 
Athena did not ha- have a mother. She she was born directly out of Zeus's brain, which is how she received her mar- remarkable cleverness. Remarkable. And what's that cleverness. last word? Cleverness. Cleverness. All right, now. Let's go back, and I want to read that sentence for you fluently, okay? Athena did not have a mother. She was born directly out of Zeus's brain, which is how she received her remarkable cleverness. She is sometimes also considered the goddess of war because Athena did hide the power to give skill, courage, and victory in the battles to those who deserved 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 it. It has in parentheses there. So I'm going to read that sentence again, okay? And I'm going to model how you'd read it more fluently. And you're going to pay attention. Athena had the power to give skill, courage, and victory in battle to those who deserved it. And then it says, in her opinion. Now let's read the next sentence. Do you want to read that or do you want me to read it first? Me. Okay, you read it. Athena held a seat on Mount Olympus on the council of 12 rulers or of the gods. The other gods counted on Athena to be fair. Zeus admired Athena for her wisdom, kindness, and understanding. Even her moody uncle, Poseidon, had a special place in his heart for his niece, Athena, the goddess of wisdom. Here are some myths about Athena that are shown how clever, clever, thoughtful, and practical she was. I need you to reread that sentence. You missed a few words in there and kind of jumbled up a bit. Can you try one more time for me? Here are some myths about Athena that show how clever, thoughtful, and practical. That's right. Practical she was. Practical she was. And you can't see off, off, off camera, I guess, that I was covering up part of that word practical for Jude when he was doing that. Okay, Jude, now that was a short passage. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Now, I want to ask you some knowledge questions because we were trying to learn some stuff. Now, Athena was the goddess of two things. What were those two things that Athena was the goddess of? She was the goddess of wisdom and war. That's right. That's right. Now, with everything that's going on right now with COVID and everything, what do you think would be handier to have Athena here to come to give us wisdom or to help us with war? Give us wisdom. I would think so too. You think we need wisdom right now to get through this crisis? Yeah. I think so too. Hey, you know what? There's another fact in that I want to ask about because if we want to keep reading about mythology, then we might run into other gods. Athena had an uncle that was mentioned in here. Do you remember who that uncle was? Poseidon. Poseidon. That's a tricky one, isn't it? Poseidon. And if we we do future readings on this, we might learn that Poseidon was the god of the sea. Sea. The sea. So what what was something that you thought was interesting about what you read in this passage? Is there one thing in particular that stood out to you? Or nothing really. You just want to maybe read more about Athena to learn about her more. Read more. Read more. Hey, 
Do you think when we read more, we might find out why she has that thing on her shield? Remember what we saw on her shield? Medusa. Medusa. Medusa's head's on her shield. So maybe we'll read a story about Athena. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Well, Jude, do you want to say bye to everybody and say bye to Dr. H and Trisha? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. He really wants to go outside and play with his friends now. Thanks, buddy. Great work, Judo. Thank you so much. That sounded terrific. Now, I know, Dr. Odegaard, your center has been kind to put together some resources that will be all the more helpful for parents listening in or caregivers listening in. Can you tell us a little bit more about those and where to find them? Yeah, you can find them on the, the resource page that the university's put together for your podcast. You can also find them at our center's website under resources for parents and educators. Our center website is mtsu.edu forward slash dyslexia. And in that area for educators and parents for resources, we've put together an infographic that kind of goes over the five steps that we've talked about here, you know, to provide structure, to select the text, to engage in that shared reading, to support accurate word reading, and to emphasize meaning. We've also put together a practice guide, which is a longer document that goes into a little bit more details that'll help you with that planning of, of each of those steps in there. And Dr. Hirschman might want to add in some more about a webinar series that we're kicking off now. I will be planning and producing a monthly webinar series that will follow along with these five steps to structured shared reading as well that will allow you um, to focus in on each of those areas even more deeply uh, if you have more information about text selection and um, how to support word reading through good solid evidence-based error correction we can um, help support your efforts in that through this extended webinar series and you'll get some more information about that through our website as well fantastic gosh such great resources here in our community um, and afar you know, we're, it's so exciting to have folks from all over tune in and, and really be able to um, to learn and to grow in this way. So thank you for making that available for children everywhere. And I know that there are many other great things going on within the Center of Dyslexia, and I know that they have a great newsletter on their website as well. So please be sure to, to check those out. Well, Dr. Odegaard, Dr. Hirschman, I have certainly learned a lot once again of how we can really just provide these skills for life for our, for our children while they're at home. And we appreciate you. Most definitely. Thank you so much for having me and my son with you today. It was a pleasure spending this time with you. I invite you all to stay in touch with us online through our social media platforms by phone and of course email. Um, all of my information is on the website and as well as in the resources portion of this podcast. I'd love to hear from you and hear how these tips helped. Again, this is Trisha Murphy and you've been listening to the Classroom in Your Living Room podcast.